Katie, and this is That Grief Relief Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, this is a very lighthearted, open-hearted conversation about grief. There is no right or wrong way to deal with grief. Now, whilst I might be at a certain stage of my grief process, my guests might be at another stage of their grief process, you might be at a completely different stage of your grief, or you might not have experienced grief at all. I'm not here to offend, I'm here to hopefully put a smile on your face, whether you're going through something right now or not. Welcome to another episode of that Grief Relief Podcast. (laughs) My name is Katie Overy, and as you can tell, we're already having lots of fun on the podcast. Um, We're having a few connection issues. Let's just get on with it. Today's guest is via Zoom because she might be one of the busiest people in Dubai. I'm joined by Candy Fenucci, founder of Pirate Surf Rescue. Now, you are what seems to be a pretty, like well-renowned famous mini hero in the UAE in fact I don't even know why I said mini you're a local hero of the UAE so (laughs) firstly tell me Candy all about Pirate Surf Rescue. Well Pirate Surf Rescue started 11 years ago uh, as something that was really small I was coaching swimming at the time I I lost two swim uh, companies and I absolutely love the beach I love the sea and I saw there was such a need for it so anyhow, we um, managed to get uh, little spots on the beach. Kai Beach was just sand and it had a little CID tower and a, a volleyball court. And I thought, oh, this will be absolutely perfect. So I used to go every day and check to see if I would see somebody. And eventually I saw uh, one chap watering the, the, the cleaning the, the area. And I managed to speak to him. We spoke to his boss who then allowed us to build this little gym on there. And after that, I said, no, I'm going to start. I just love kids. I love working with kids. It's the most rewarding job on this earth. So I thought I'm going to combine what I've done before and start the Surf and Sea Rescue Club, which is commonly known as nippers, you know, in Australia, New Zealand and South Africa. But I thought I'm going to do a nippers on steroids for Dubai and just, you know, make it into my own program and use the lessons and the things I've learned in life and just really zoom it up. So, yeah, that's how it started. And we started with about, I say about nine kids, three of which were my own. I just thought, right. you will come and you will train. <laughs> and then it just built from there. And as I said, we now up to 400 kids in the program and over 2,000 on the wait list. So, it's really, it's building and it's, you know, we're very organic. I don't do any advertising or marketing. It's purely through word of mouth and through, you know, other people Instagramming and, and that kind of thing. That's so, yeah, that's how it started. incredible. And like we said just before I hit record, I know of you through the mothership, Helen Farmer, um, yes. the be all and end all. It's so funny. I don't even have children, but yet to me, Helen is like the be all and end all of everything. Um, oh, sometimes she's I, she'll post amazing. something. I'm like, should I buy that? You don't have children. I know, but Helen says it's good. So it must be great. She she's the real deal and she is you know what she says she is and she's just returned with us from the Maldives and you know even the youngest kids just love being around her she's just great from the parents when she talks to you she really talks to you you know she's not listening about what's going on around you Mm -hmm. and she's just incredible honestly I adore her I really do and I didn't know her before you know her little ones joined so it's been such a pleasure having them as well 
Oh, that's so nice. And I, I love the idea of the program. It's fantastic. Um, and it was actually via kind of the Pirate Surf Instagram that, um, you know, I reached out to you to come onto the podcast because a few people had actually flagged it to me because of the, I mean, the loss that you've suffered in your life, which is just heartbreaking. And you very kindly said that you would speak to me about it. And, and here we are, because it's so interesting how you then took all of that how you then took that strength to then move forward so candy if you can tell me where on earth do you begin but if you can tell me your story i'd be i'd be really grateful no only a pleasure and as i said what i do is to help other people out you know i'm not trained and that's why i've never given counseling or anything we've just all got a story to tell and you know suffering loss is so different and it's so individual for every single one of you and how you treat it and how you deal with it again is just so different so when I was nine uh, my dad passed away of cancer the fittest strongest human being on this planet ran every day and from one day literally six weeks later he was dead so I think that was that was real not because I was a daddy's girl I mean my mom wanted a little ballet dancer and I came out a running thug <laughs> literally Tarzan in the making <laughs> swinging from trees and you know she wanted she was a beautician and you know skin specialist so of course I came out the opposite when she put on a dress it was ripped off and there was like no shoes and and, and PT shorts so that was that was a really it was a tough one and I think I've dealt with grief as a child, as a teenager, and as an adult. So you just see them and you know from different aspects. Um, again, I'm not to blame anybody or anything like that. I think it was a huge loss for my mom um, at the time. And I think because you know, her and my dad were soulmates, you know, they were so incredibly close. So having that taken away was a massive knock for her as well. And she she withdrew very much into herself. And mm. even as a child, you know, she used, I used to remember singing on a rocking chair, listening to Barbara Streisand every single night. And still to this day, I cannot hear it. If I hear Barbara Streisand, I will make a beeline and switch it off. And, and then for she what reason? With, Does it make you sad? Does it bring back memories you don't want to bring back? Or? Um, I think it associates with that very difficult time where mm. suddenly the house was dead it was because my dad was so full of energy and he was always had the music on and he was taking me running and you know that was we had such a busy busy lifestyle and suddenly it's like someone switched the lights off it's gone quiet so it was a real change of lifestyle you know for her and she met up with a old school friend and he kind of pulled her through I think that time but for me it was oh my God, someone's trying to take my dad's place, which was, as I say, which really actually impacted my relationship with my mom still today. I think there was a lot that I felt I had, you know, it, when you're grieving, it's your surroundings that can actually dictate how you pull through. When you're a bit older, I believe you dictate how you pull through. Um, so then a couple of years later, she met with my stepdad, who um, I can't even describe him to you. He was just the most incredible, beautiful human being. He was six foot four, these piercing blue eyes. He had nothing. He lived on a game farm in the middle of nowhere. 
he was the most unmaterialistic human being ever, but just lived for life. So, of course, you know, going and I just absolutely fell in love with him. And he didn't have any kids at the time. So we became like, I became like his adopted child. And I had a brother who was two years older than me. So he, you know, growing up on the farm, and I think our characters just mixed. You know, it was whether someone upstairs and God had said, right, I'm going to put those two together because what I went through there has really impacted and shaped who I am today. Uh, being on the farm, you know, we were just in the wilderness and we were in the bush and we were catching animals and rhinos. And, you know, he just trusted me with everything. I was hanging off pens, you know, darting zebras and injecting them. And, you know, I was 60, 15, 16 at the time. So, you know, I, everything he did and every day, I can remember clearly being so incredibly thankful. And I questioned it even as a 16 year old thinking, why have I been so lucky to live where I am and to experience the life? And what, what have mm-hmm. I done to have this? Um, and even at the time, my mom and I still never got our relationship back. You know, we were never close. So going through those horrible teenage years that every child goes through, I would lean on him all the time. Interesting. And then um, he had, he never, obviously had never had kids. So him and my mom had a, a child together who was an, literally a thumbprint of Pete. So they were absolutely identical. But my mom was 42 at the time when she had PJ. So I think it was a huge knock on the system. But anyhow, so uh, we lived on, as I said, it was a farm owned by um, some government, very high um, investor. And all the government officials used to come and spend a weekend on the farm. And we had just come through the tip of Africa um, with a whole lot of uh, sable antelope, which are obviously like an endangered species. So we traveled, my dad went right through the night after night, getting them back to the farm as quickly as possible. So we could offload them into the pens and then we could work with them on conservation projects. And when my, uh, when he got back, my mom said, look, the Minister of Foreign Affairs is coming. Please just go and check to see the camp and everything is okay. And he was so tired. And the camp was like at the bottom of the little, like a mountainside or a valley. Okay. Where, where in the Africa, Africa, sorry? It's in the Eastern Transvaal. It's a place called Sabaka, which means the rock. And actually, Pete means the place. So it was really apt. And anyhow, in the middle of the night, uh, the minister decided he wanted to go hunting. And my dad said, look, I really need to go to sleep. I haven't slept at all. No, 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 no. We'd only cull like the really old animals because it was purely for conservation. And on the way down, he actually fell asleep. And the front of the Land Cruiser hit a rock and flipped over and landed on his chest and obviously um, killed him. And I remember that night like it was yesterday, honestly and truly. I can recall every single moment. And the chef and uh, the minister actually came to our house and they were knocking on the door and it was like two o'clock in the morning. And I had my little brother in my bed and my mom opened, it was like a long passage door and he kept on saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I you know, what's going on? And then I heard what had happened. And I literally felt like, even talking about it now, I felt like the blood just go from my face. And I thought, no ways, it's not possible. And I, my brother, elder brother was there. And, you know, I just said to him, you know, Pete's gone, Pete's dead. He was, he's, he's killed in a car accident. And he said, no, 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 he's not. Don't worry, he's okay. And I went to my mom and I said, look, don't worry. He'll be fine. He's gone to hospital. He'll be okay. 
And uh, he had an office where he always used to put his feet up on the office in one of these, and that all the obviously the VIPs were all inside there. And and I remember just absolutely walking and seeing one of the managers' faces, and he just said, "I'm so sorry," and I just collapsed. And you know, it was just I kept on thinking. No, he is coming back. There, I was convinced he was coming home. Mm-hmm. And I would, I ran to his cub and I said, no, his toothbrush is there. His clothes are on the floor. He's coming back. There's no doubt he's on his way back. He'll be back tonight. Or So, you know, even the day of his funeral, when they bought the coffin in, and we actually buried him on the farm, on a, the most beautiful place of the mountain. We, we used to go and watch the sunset every night and especially have the new year in would have our glass of wine and it was this beautiful mountain range and we used to call it the hell because in the morning the mist would rise from it it was absolutely spectacular so uh, we had a few of his friends and all the the laborers that worked on the farm absolutely idolized him because he was so good and like I said on my previous interviews and that you know even as when we go on captures and that no one none of us would eat until all the all the laborers they had their meal they had their tents up. They were looked after. And he always used to say, always look after the people that will look after you. And mm-hmm. I've really adapted that throughout my life. And um, anyhow, so we had his funeral there and the, the hearse arrived. And, I, and they said to me, would you like to see? And I said, yeah, because it's, it's not him. And my cousins, my cousins and my aunt and uncle played a very crucial part in my life, especially after even my dad died. My mom had a twin sister who didn't have a daughter so I was always like her I worshipped her she was just such a beautiful human being and they were all there with me and they were like my support through all of this anyhow and I got up and I looked into it and I saw him lying there and it wasn't him you know it was just some empty weird looking thing that resembled him so I think a bit of a haze and uh, we lost the farm it was auctioned off um, we then had to move off to the Eastern Transvaal. I was flying at the time. You know, the, the end goal was for me to be a capture unit with my dad and I would be the, do the helicopter flying and he would do the ground crew. And, you know, so suddenly now all our plans are gone, you know, and my brother went into the army and I was left. My mom really hit a huge slump. So I became literally the mother for my younger brother because he so didn't know on. anything and, you I, know, my I'm mom... Good. I'm confused now. Is it? Did your dad and your stepdad die? Yeah. You were talking. So, so this whole dad, thing was Pete, your stepdad. Yeah, from Sabaka, the farm. My God. The gosh. previous one was when I was nine. Oh my yeah, goodness! So he right. had cancer. Right. And so, so they were with my first dad was my biological brother, which was Grant. Yeah. <laughs> so how so, yeah. old were you when and Pete anyhow, died? So. I was 16, 17 when he died. Oh my gosh. So okay. that was, I, I think that was probably a really an impressionable age, especially for a teenager. Um, and I had to take more of the, you know, my mom moved off. I was in the middle of my final exams and uh, we had to be off the farm. So I was literally in between exams. I was trying to find hotels and friends to stay with just to finish up my exams. Um, because where we were moving was about seven hours away. Anyhow, so we moved on to 
the Eastern into Natal and I carried on my flying at a little flight school because Natal Flight Center. And it was just my mom, my brother, my younger brother and myself. And my older brother was in university, uh, sorry, in the army. And um, yeah, so then it was just, I think that's when I, I, I must have, I've got this incredible ability to sweep things under the carpet still today. When in doubt, when I'm stressed, it's okay, it's okay, it's going to go away. It's okay, it's going to go away. We'll be okay, we'll be okay. And I then met uh, my ex-husband at the flying school. So we were both doing our license at the time. Okay. And I think I was really taken aback by his family. He had this big family and, you know, all the brothers were there and his house was full and his mom and dad were still there. And for me, that was foreign, like to see a normal home. And I just yearned for that. Anyhow, we got married and I was very, very young. And uh, I had my first child when I was 21, which was really young. And we moved to Mauritius and I had my son as well. So I had the two, my two children and PJ would literally live with us most of the time. Every holiday, he would come, my younger brother. And then we got, uh, my husband got a job with Emirates and that's where we moved into Dubai in 20, 2000. So that was a long time. Anyhow, and my, uh, I lost a little bit of touch with my older brother, which was quite sad. And only as we got older, did we really touch base. And my younger brother then moved permanently with us to Dubai and he shared a room with my younger son and they were really close. And then he, um, my eldest brother, at the age of 32, he, I don't quite know, I don't think I'll know the whole story, but anyhow, my mom was visiting here in Dubai and his wife called me and said, I'm so sorry, Grant has just shot himself. I said, what do you mean Grant has shot himself? And she said, yes. So I got on a plane with my mom and we literally jumped on, flew back to South Africa and I was online trying to speak uh, my mom actually remarried for a third time in the interim. And I was now speaking to Toby, her husband, and asking what had happened. And he was moved to a hospital. And just prior to her coming, uh, when we were living on the farm, one of the VIPs gave my mom a tiny little handgun, which is from Smith & Wesson factory, and as a gift to say thank you. And Grant actually went to her and said, you know, mom, it's crazy having a gun in the house. Why don't we sell it? So she said, okay. So she saw, she said, look, take it. And he said, and can I have the bullets? And she said, when she put it in his hand, she actually felt the blood drain from her. And she thought, something doesn't feel right. Now, her and Grant were so close, much mm. closer than we were. And so she said that she woke up in the middle of the night, that next night, and she called him and she said, Grant, just promise me you're not going to do anything stupid. And our Grant was one of the most intelligent human beings ever with such a sense of humor, but really, really, really bright. And he said, no, mom, don't be crazy. I'm not going to do anything. So anyhow, when we've got this phone call, she said, oh my God, it's the gun that I gave him. So we rushed back. Eventually we only got to the hospital at about eight o'clock that night. And he's wife was standing next to him and she just kept on saying I'm really sorry I'm really sorry and I couldn't understand anything anyhow and he literally knew exactly where to shoot himself and the doctor came to me and said look you know you need to make a decision I would turn off all the machines say goodbye 
turn them off because he's going to be completely brain dead if you keep them on. And I thought, oh my God, how can I make this decision? And yeah, and I just, my aunt was there obviously, which my mom's twin sister. And she just said to me, just, you're going to, it's the best thing for him. You know, you can't imagine Grant because he was very active as well doing, you know, living his Mm -hmm. life in a wheelchair. And I just said to my mom, look, I've made the decision. We have to switch off the machines. And she was very, you know, she, she's such a strong woman. She's never showed her emotions as much. And she just said, okay. So anyhow, I called them. We all said goodbye, switched the machines off. And, you know, that was, I, I think my life was in a lot of turmoil at the time. My marriage was really up and down. And, and of course, I didn't really cope with anything, you know, as I should have at the time. And mm-hmm. just get on with life. You've got kids, you've got a business, you're running, you, you know, you're teaching, you're coaching. Just throw your life into your work. And then um, PJ then was uh, moved to Abu Dhabi, and that's Sorry my to younger interrupt. brother. Did you did you find out why Grant did what he did, or did he leave a um, note? Was there anything? He didn't leave a note. I checked through his phone, trying to see. You know, it was he was in a huge amount of debt, but I think his his wife said that she wanted to end the marriage, and my mom actually saw her about three months afterwards in the gym with somebody else. So I assume that she was maybe ending the marriage and he just didn't know how to cope with it. I think, you know, when you suffer a loss, like we did, you know, with my dad and my stepdad, you know, you hang on to any kind of love that you can get. And I think mm-hmm. he really mm-hmm. adored her. So PJ then moved to Abu Dhabi and he was working for a company there and, and two, four, 54. But he was just, he was crazy. He, you know, he was, uh, again, so much like Pete, you know, in his character. And he was loud and used to drive me absolutely crazy. But, you know, he was like my best friend and the kids as well. Both Jacks, my eldest daughter and JJ were, I mean, he was seen as one of the siblings. That's that's what he was right. like. And, you and know, and even my youngest. Between you and PJ? Uh, it was eight, eight years. Okay. So there wasn't a lot between them. And he would pick Jacks up from school and have the music blaring in the car and should be absolutely mortified. And, you know, even the younger little one, Georgia, he would throw her around. And he was like my anchor. You know, he was the only, like, hope and connection that I had with Pete. And, you know, I'd see him every day and I'd say, okay, you know, I can still see Pete living within him and that. So then um, afterwards, uh, he was, he just got an incredible job with um, Etihad. And he was going to be on board uh, F&B manager in first class. So I thought that was like his ideal job. So he was meant to fly back to South Africa um, to go and change his visa and that. And I was, hadn't heard from him for about two days. And I knew he was flying, I think it was like on the weekend. And on Friday... I was going to church and I just sat down. I was waiting for the family to get ready. And I was looking onto my Facebook and it was literally 40 messages on Facebook. Please call, please call, please call. And I looked at the first one and it was, I'm so sorry to hear. I'm so sorry. And I thought, what is going on? And then one of his friends messaged, please urgently call me. And I called him and he said, I I don't know how to tell you this, but PJ passed away. So hold on, what are you talking about? So he actually... um, hung himself from his cupboard in Abu Dhabi. And again, whether it was an issue with his, uh, with the girl that he was seeing at the time, I think 
I don't think he ever really meant to do it. I think he wanted to, he was really angry and hurt about it. And, you know, that's, that's what he did. So I had to call my mom and I had to tell my mom and which was so hard. And then I had to go to Abu Dhabi literally about six or seven times. I had to help clear out his stuff. I had to go and um, see him in the mortuary every day almost. They made me re-identify and identify. And that was oh just crazy. And then I had to get his body back to Dubai and to South Africa, which was literally mission impossible because the South African embassy were just the most unhelpful people on this earth. They said, you know, why is he working here? He should have been in South Africa. And, you know, and I said, they, they were cost charging me like 17,000 to get his body back. And I said, I don't have that. What am I supposed to do? No, yeah. just put him in the back of your car, take him to the Indian burial site, bury him and then take the, take the ashes back to South Africa. So, you know, I they did not say that. Say, <laughs> he did. Anyhow, eventually... I had his briefcase and I was going through all the documents in his briefcase and I saw his contract from Etihad and I saw the HR manager and I called her and I just said, look, this is what's happened. I'm so sorry. I know that he actually hadn't started, but is there any way you can help me? And she said, I'll call you back. And literally two hours later, she said, don't worry, we'll repatriate him. And like that was an absolute and he hadn't even started phrase. working and for them. I think even at the time, no, no. Wow. He was due to work literally two weeks' time from then on. Yeah. And I think, yeah, my, I still can't really explain how I managed, how I had the support of my kids and, you know, my I got divorced during that time and remarried and, you know, again, just life was all over the show and I, I lost both my companies and I had to restart again. And that was now at the time with just after this, this is how pirates was eventually formed. And, you know, while dealing through all this grief, um, you know, my aunt and uncle, who were my cousins, obviously parents, my mom's younger sister, and they really carried me through as a child. And shortly after that, I got a call that they were in holiday in South Africa, in Durban. And they just bought a beautiful little place in Scotland and you have to cross over a train line. And just one afternoon, they were going to have the uh, lunch, some calamari and that at this little fish place. And as they went over this railway line, a train came and actually hit into them. And my mom was just calling her at the time, which must have happened two seconds after because some, someone picked up the phone and he just said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, there was an accident and I see this phone and, you know, there's two people in the car. My mom thought, oh, that they had, had they been hijacked or whatever. Anyhow, so both of them uh, passed away, which. Um, oh, my God. Candy, I can't. I, 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 <laughs> because I don't want to. Uh, and obviously most of the listeners will understand. And we had a chat about this beforehand. It's not that I want to make light of this, but I don't think I've met anyone that's had more people die in their life than me. And I think you might have just beaten me. I, mean, I reckon I have. I reckon I have. Yeah. So yeah, you and absolutely. your mum. But- uh, sorry to interrupt you because about the obviously now they're in these two more deaths. You were so close to your aunt, but all of the while I'm I'm uh, I've got in the back of my mind that you said that you and your mum weren't uh, weren't overly close as a relationship. I mean, to suffer the amount of losses that you two did, has anything been rebuilt? Like what on earth? You know, 
I thought that it, I thought that it would because I thought, okay, now I'm the only child left. Um, you know, maybe that bond will become stronger. But I think in some relationships, when there's too much damage done, and each one, like, you know, we withdrew on our own to keep surviving. I had to keep going for my kids. They were, you know, the reason why I was still breathing. And, you know, I just wanted them to be okay. And I, yeah. I had nothing when I, I literally mean nothing. And, <clears throat> you know, at the time of all of this, you know, we were on a bicycle. I lost my car. I was working 12 or 14 hours a day, every day, seven days a week. I didn't have leave in like three years. And, you know, that's when I started on Kite Beach. And, you know, I think it's, I kept on thinking that everything that I'd gone through, I'd gone for, gone through for a reason. And that I needed to use everything that they had taught me and the people that had left me had taught me. I needed to use that constructively. I could have literally completely withdrawn and done something stupid to myself because, you know, my, even my, on my dad's side, my aunt uh, committed suicide. I wasn't that close to her. Um, and then my mom's twin sister, who was my anchor, she passed away of emphysema. And, you know, it was just, you know, it, it, death, it doesn't become, because I think you, you develop that. Like, I'm paranoid about my kids, literally paranoid. When they go somewhere or they go in the taxi, you know, I, they'll still tell you such funny stories of how they went to parties and their phone was in their bag and I tried to call them and they didn't answer. And, you know, I literally wanted to get helicopters coming down to pick them up and check that they were okay. So you do develop a lot of, you know, that constant, I live in fear. And that's probably one of my big things that I try every day. You know, you can't live in fear. You can't, you've got to be happy. You've got to enjoy. But I think I made the conscious effort or decision to decide my reason for still being here and the reason for me to keep going is I want to give back. I need to give back. I need to help those around me. You know, even in Pirates, one of the little girl's father died, who was like a carbon copy of my dad. And they were my age. And, you know, I think I wouldn't have been able to understand and help them if I didn't go through what I'd gone through, I knew where they were. I still know where they are today. When they come to training, I can read their little faces. You know, when they come and we did, uh, you know, her, her dad were like mine. My dad loved Christmas. We had, you know, and I still today, if I could have Santa Claus hanging from my chimney, I would do it. And he was very much like that. And we, we got a huge collection of all the pirates' parents who are, they are, they are my family. And, you know, they had like 200 presents and we got, <coughs> we got Santa Claus to come like the real Santa Claus. Seriously, Katie, this guy was a real deal. And he came and we had snow. One of the parents has got a, a, a company that provides the snow and he put snow in and there was Santa and, you know, they had all the gifts. And, and then I, that's how I think I heal internally by seeing, okay, I did went through this so that I could empathize, that I could you know, as I say, we, we have to, we have to be positive and we have to take those kind of things and say, you know, let's use it constructively. So, you know, that's, that's what I've done. And, and, you know, even still today, I, if I could, I pray every day that I earn millions that I can give millions because I love giving. I absolutely, I, I don't want to see people suffering. So <clears throat> I think that's, 
you know, that's my purpose. And I think that's why I've gone through what I have so that I can, you know, do that and, and help others. But there's no, yeah, I don't think there's a magic kind of, you know, cure. This is how you should deal with grief. This is, it affects everybody differently. And you might not grieve now, but you might grieve in, you know, 10 years time, 20 years time, you know, the, and there's still days that the pain doesn't go away. And the, I don't think it ever goes away, but you just learn how to deal with it. So, you know, creating pirates and, and meeting the kind of people that I have are phenomenal. You know, that's building X Park Junior. That was Sabaka. You know, if you, if you actually looked at pictures today of Sabaka, this is what X Park Junior is. Besides, we don't have rhinos and buffaloes and giraffe in here. You know, the thatched roofs, the natural play area. Mm. You know, that's, that's had, I, had my dad not died and my mom remarried to Pete, I would never have lived on the farm. Had I not lived on the farm and gone through that, I would never have created X Park Junior. Had I, the rapport I have with people and with my staff here, whether it's, you know, the, the beach cleaners and the, 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 the garbage collectors, I, I treat them as if they were my boss. I, there's, there's no, you know, I'm not some kind of, doesn't matter if I'm a manager. We, that doesn't matter. One day we're all going to be the same. It doesn't matter what we earned or what car we drove or, you know, my kids have been like that. I'm just so unmaterialistic. I don't care what shoe. Even when we came here, it doesn't matter what shoe. We've had from nothing, eating McDonald's every day because that's all we could afford to. You know, years and years going by slowly building up. And I do believe the more I put in, the more I will get out. And I have no doubt whatsoever that, you know, Pirates is going to be global without any doubt. I will, and I know, and I believe will be the biggest lifestyle brand in the world for kids and not just anything. It's because I think we're really organic and, and authentic. And I know that, you know, when we say companies and I see them saying, oh, we're a family with this and that, but they're after money. They're after, you know, it's not, that's we're, we're living a passion and, you know, to create and see kids improve from all different kinds of, you know, terrible backgrounds. And even with COVID, there's been so much loss and job loss. Grieving is job loss as well, you know. Kids losing pets, you know, that, oh my God, where it feels like someone's landed on your chest. You have when, you know, you lose a job as a parent, you think, how the hell am I going to pay for rent? Huh? You know, me being, you know, single mom and, you know, having supported my kids in my own form you know, 10 years is, you know, I still hang on to my job for dear life, you know, with extra buy. And I have an incredible boss who's so understanding. You know, he's, he's really backed me and he's allowed me to do pirates. And, you know, even with creating this for, for Sheikh Hamdan and, you know, they don't, I don't do anything for any kind of a pat on the back. I know that, you know, one day it will, and it does come back in, in different ways. So yeah, that's uh, that's uh, my story. I, honestly, I'm I'm sitting here and I don't know whether if you're going to be listening to this on podcasts or if you're watching it on YouTube. I hope you are watching it because I'm sitting here just beaming at you, Candy, just like telling this story, which is I'm sure the same kind of reaction you get uh, from from most people because you you touched on it before in so much that you could have easily have gone in a very different direction. I mean, you, you suffered more loss and more tra trauma than most people I know. Um, so for you to then 
harness that you know for for positive and not even this is going to sound a bit strange not even you know people say to me I'm resilient and, and how I've dealt with the losses in my life but not only have you been resilient and decided you know what I'm going to make every day a, a good day you've gone and some and you're now out to improve other people's mm-hmm. lives and it's it's it is it's quite it's quite amazing um I wanted to ask you in terms of you lost your so you lost your real dad when you were nine you were 16 when you lost your stepdad Pete how old yeah. were you when Grant took his life I or what year he was, was that 32 so I was 13 so I was 30 when he died 30 and then how old were you when PJ uh 32 right so there was and- two years between them and then your aunt, the, so there was an aunt and uncle in the train, and then your aunts, who you were, whom were you? Were they were all to. between. You know, Katie, I'll tell you something, and still, it's the weirdest thing. I can't tell you what year it was when they died. I can't tell you what age. I know it was in the beginning. That's just all a blank. I if people say, "Oh, you know," and I, and sometimes on Facebook, I'll have some of my brother's friends saying thinking of you today and I think why and I think yeah. oh my god okay this is the day that I accept my real dad that's I know because I remember it like really clearly but the others I think some way it's a coping mechanism that you don't um you don't remember anything or you block it out of your minds uh yeah, that's sure. that's what I did and um, but, but then yeah it, I was so you- definitely in that age yeah, so if you've got, so 9 to 16, obviously super formative years, and then the ones came on later. Do you know or have you any understanding of how, you're, how you grieved differently between 9 and 16 and then obviously adult life and then as a mum yourself? I think at 9, you really, you, you really need a lot of love, um, affection, understanding, um, when you're th- when you're 16, again, it's I was really involved heavily in my sport at that time, and I threw myself into my sport. But I think again, you know, in those, it's it's again your surroundings. It's the people that you have. You still that pain is the same whether you're nine, whether you're 16, or whether you're 32. Yeah, I don't think the pain is very different. You understand it more, and at 16, that that shock was, you know, was actually more than what I, probably because it was incident. Again, it's like, you know, how and what the circumstances were. You know, it with Pete, it was sudden. It was an accident. Yeah. With my dad, it was six weeks to, you don't prepare because you always think, even the doctor actually didn't believe my mom when she called him and she said, you know, Deegan is dying. He's in the room. He's he's dying. And he said, no, it's just from the medication. And she said, no, I'm telling you now he is. And by the time he got there, he, he was dead already. Um, and that was in our home um, in between surgery. So, again, I think, you know, I could never really say the difference. You have to be a lot stronger when you're older and you have to be stronger for the people around you because, you know, my kids, they are the most phenomenal people you know my son is living in the states and today he's when I need something or I need reassurance you know I I lean on him Jax is literally 
the rudder of the ship. You know, she just, just one, two, three, four, I know she's going to take care of it. You know, with pirates, she does the business plans, all of that. Um, Georgia is, you know, the she's like my little friend where she's my companion and she's, the, you know, the, the one that's just the surfer and she's got so much energy in that about her. And again, you know, they've suffered grief in different ways. You know, they have, didn't have much contact with their dad after we got divorced and that was a really messy one. So, you know, they've, we've all had to suffer and grieve in different kinds of ways. And it's like, we are puzzle, which actually the puzzle fits perfectly together. Each one has got their strengths. Each one has got their weaknesses. Um, and it's definitely affected them in different ways, even from the loss of, of PJ. PJ and Grant were a huge loss for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jax became bulimic and she's still in recovery now. And it's 15 years later. Uh, JJ got married, but to the most incredible girl. Absolutely lovely. I couldn't wish for anything more. And um, Georgia, through circumstances was um didn't even get to finish school and she she did and she turned her life around and we you know things happened that she could get to travel the world and surf and you know she's now on her own got herself into university and you know studying and she knows and she's driven and so again I think it's each and every one of us can take and take these situations and these grievings and these horrible things and you know, you can really go down a very deep, dark road. And there are times where I thought, can I do it? Can I do it? And then you realize that as an adult, you need to pick up, you there for your kids. If I'm not here for my kids, that's like one of my biggest fears. I just want them to be okay. I want them, I don't care about me anymore. I just want to look after them and to protect them, whether they are newborn or whether they are, you know, they're turning 28 and 29 next week you still feel and panic as much for them, you know, as you did now. Yeah. I mean, so, it's a completely you know, selfless love, isn't it? The, the love of a parent. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And they saw me working at the, and I think a lot of that, my, should I say my medicine at the time was the work I did. And, you know, even on Kite Beach, I would just sit and I wanted to create a, an absolute haven for parents, parents and families that they could come enjoy the weekends there. You know, everyone said, you can't put grass on the beach. I said, of course you can lay grass on the beach. And, you know, I had the most beautiful greenest lawn ever. And I would sit there and we didn't have irrigation at the time. And I would hand water it for 12 hours a day. I'd see people and families coming to sit in the grass on a Friday. And I knew my kids were at home, but I looked at them and I thought, yes, that's what I want to see the families together. I want them to enjoy it because, you know, we've got all the glitz and glamour in the world just behind us. You know, I want a place where parents can just come and relax and enjoy each other's company and, you know, where they don't have to pay a cent and it's just in a special environment. So, again, I think when I was grieving internally, that was that was that made me feel better just to see, you know, what we created for other people that they could actually be happy and, and enjoy themselves. So, and as I say, even today, I'm the, I am the luckiest human being on this earth to have the people and to have pirates. Parents are... And the kids are just phenomenal. They are, I love going to see them every go in every KO coaching session. It just, it's just pure heaven and creating. And every day we go back and we sit down and we say, right, what more can we do? What more opportunity? And the more we go, the more opportunities come to us for kids where, you know, we can create new opportunities and send them on trips. And 
take them to places that other people haven't been and you know so again so I that's what is my affirmations every day that you know the more you give the more you will receive and and I will earn millions and I will be able to give millions I always wanted to have an orphanage with you know loads of kids and you know and and I think in a way I see that pirates is that you know it's it's I they my kids they're all my babies I don't care if they you know they go home to their own parents their welfare and their happiness is you know one of my main concerns so yes I am very lucky to have that I'm gonna need to know the age the age range for pirates candy because I think I need to join <laughs> um I'm nearly 40 uh, is there a cap <laughs> You know, our oldest student started with me when he was nine and every year, and he's turning 21 next week. <laughs> every year he says, Candy, I think we need to extend the age range. Yeah, I bet he does. I'm with, I'm with him a hundred percent because even just, even just sitting here and, and speaking to you now, and it's quite, it's quite interesting. And I, I'm not, I'm certainly not trying to make it all about me. It's my podcast uh no but it's um people people say it to me quite a lot in terms of energy and the energy I give off and, and like I, I keep saying it I'm sitting here absolutely beaming listening to your story which is obviously weird to hear considering how much um loss you've suffered but I'm sitting here like I'm sitting really tall and my chest is open I'm you know filling my lungs because just because of like it's quite amazing what you're doing and if if you're we've been speaking for what 45 minutes if you're able to project that kind of energy onto me through a screen by the way i can't even begin to imagine what you do for the pirates it's uh, it's amazing and i'm so grateful for you to tell your story um but i'm not gonna let you go yet because i did ask you for either an instagram account or a podcast that you want to recommend like what clearly I mean you need your own podcast but what kind of do you love and what do you listen to or you know like I I got pretty hooked on Robin Sharma I absolutely love him I read the five and I think the 5am club was was really great in Mind Valley I love listening to the Joe Rogan and you know I like just inspirational stories and Robin Sharma is just I think I just love the simplicity I love his his way of just the way he talks, the, the messages he passes through, you know, where he, he just, he's, you know, and I tell the kids that as well, you know, little things he says, like, you know, bleed more in trade, sweat more in training, bleed less in war. And, you know, how that impacts and just being the best you possibly can. Mm -hmm. So I've read his book. I listen to his podcasts. I go onto Mind Valley, of course, and, listen to all of their, you know, you know, as I said, I love Joe Rogan as well. But I wish actually I did spend more time on listening to Jax. My eldest daughter is, she listens, she can probably rattle off 30, 40 podcasts and she is very learned in that kind of thing. So is JJ. And, you know, I'm trying to do that uh, and say, right, every day I do the 20, 20, 20, where I wake up at five, I journal, I write my day ahead. Sorry, let me close the door. Yeah. I write what I'm planning for the day ahead. Um, I then do my exercise and I then plan for the day. So I know, okay, this is 
it's very structured. You need to be structured. I need to make sure. Sorry, the chickens are coming in now. Oh my goodness, the chickens sorry. are coming in. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is great. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I know. This little one, honestly, is the kindest little thing ever. Really? She thinks she's a duck. <laughs> What's her name? Yeah, she is so sweet. We haven't got her a name yet. She was born from the incubator. And uh, we try and make all the animals like really tame in, in the park. And, and again, it's great therapy for the kids as well, mm. for them to get used to and to work with the animals. And sorry, that's a little bit off topic. But <laughs> it's not at all. It's great. And I love the fact she just launched herself off your shoulder and who knows where she is now. So. She's behind. She's gone to see the ducks. Um, yeah. So again, you know, I think it's so important. I'm trying to, to read more and to just, you know, educate myself more into you know, helping other people. And from Feng Shui, I read a little bit about that. And now I'm, I'm reading Shoe Dog um, about the man who started Nike. You know, how did he start it? And I see so much of what I've done and, you know, scared to make that leap into putting everything into it. But knowing that's the only way that, you know, we will succeed is, you know, is to let go of that fear that I always live in. So, yeah, as I say, I think, if I had to choose one person, it definitely would be Robin Sharma without any doubt. You know, it's one of those things as well, and I'm sure this is the universe speaking to me, um, because my brother Russell, he's a, a, a recent convert to the 5am club um, based, based oh, on awesome. the book. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's based here in, in Dubai as well. Um, and it was like last week, a couple of people mentioned it to me. And I, uh, it's so weird because the first thing that comes into my mind is absolutely not. I'm not, I can't, you know, I can't get up at 5am. Um, you know, and then there's, and then my brother will say, well, why not? You know, this kind of thing. But it's really weird that I've now, that's, I think you're another fourth person that's mentioned it in maybe two weeks. You know, I, my eyes close automatically at 8.30. I can be in the most important conversation on this earth. I cannot keep awake since I was a kid. I, I honestly and truly struggle to keep awake. It's so embarrassing. And all the kids are like that. We literally, we sit on the sofa and, we, okay, we've got to make eight o'clock. We've got to make eight o'clock. But then at five o'clock, everyone's awake. And I can hear, you know, G's up and Jax is listening on to her doing all her meditations and, and those kind of things. So you just get used to it. I'm just, people are just morning people and, but I love the morning. It's the most beautiful, peaceful time of day. And I love going out. And, you know, on the farm, we, we had to get up early, early, because mm -hmm. obviously we went to go and do the rounds. We'd jump on the horses and go and check all the all the, the fences and feeding the animals. And, you know, watching that sunrise is just the most special thing ever. I love it. And just the smell of the earth is just, it's my favorite. So, yeah, I sadly won't be... Uh, <laughs> Later, at eight o'clock. I don't think I've ever woken up at eight o'clock, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, it, it is weird. Sorry. I do get up a lot earlier. It is one of those things where, you know, when you were younger, well, maybe obviously not for you, you're on a, you're on a farm, but when you were younger and, you know, my mum used to come in on a, at the weekend, like, get out of bed, you know, you've wasted half the day. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to stay here <laughs> yeah. until midday. Um, and obviously with age, you do, you get up earlier and you know that you can achieve more when you get up earlier. And I am, I am getting there. I mean, maybe 5am club is still a bit of a stretch for me, but I am, I, I am getting there. And then certainly again, since the kind of first loss, which was, which was my mum in, in 2010 is that 
not so much getting up to watch the sunrise, but I am grateful for every day because uh, not this, you know, I know you can go down the Carpe Diem route, but yeah, I am just grateful for every day because my God, do you just not know what's going to happen at all? Absolutely. And I journal every day and I have probably about 15 books that I've journaled in and every single book will start the same way I say I'm thankful for. And I always imagined one day if I woke up and I just had the things I was thankful for, it really makes me think that I live by that. And I write it down. It doesn't matter if I write the same thing down every single day. I do that. I'm thankful for. And I, you know, I, 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 I can write two pages of it, or three pages sometimes. And I always am even thankful for the wrong things that have happened. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I obviously wouldn't speak about that I, the most terrifying things that, you know, even being in Dubai that I had to live through. And, you know, I write that down and say, yes, I'm thankful for that. I learned a lesson from it. And yeah, so I think it's so important. And I tell the kids as well, you know, even if pirates, I tell them at the beginning of some sessions, you know, look at your mom and dad and say, thank you. Thank you for bringing me down. Look at the sea. The sea's like glass. Aren't you lucky to have that? You know, aren't you thankful? Say thank you. I think those are the two most important words that I teach the kids and I drum it into them every day because, you know, when someone smiles and says thank you, it doesn't matter who it's to, it makes that person feel so good, whether it is a cleaner or is a parent or, a, you know, whatever, it just, you know, it makes such a difference. So, yeah, journaling is, I think, is it's has changed my life, that's for sure. It just ingrains it every day. Yes, you've got a roof over your head, you've got a job, you've got food on the table, you know, yeah. you can support your kids, you can they need anything you can help them you know that yeah. is just that's priceless I think people have been into such horrible situations and lost jobs and you know family members and not being able to travel and you know I haven't seen my mom either for a year and a half that's you know just people are all fighting a battle and you know we have a rule that pirates where you have three strikes if kids are called bullying or they any kind of social media or leaving kids out or in any Thing, you know making fun of them with training they get three warnings and between the second and the third warning I really work with them but if it hasn't worked by the third warning they're asked to leave the club mm-hmm. it's like a zero tolerance for bullying you know with, with a no matter how it is and even if it is on social media and you know in school if you see another kid go and help them go and look after them go and care for them you know I've only had to do that twice but you know, it's heartbreaking because I feel in a way that I've actually lost. I, I've lost mm. a battle. I didn't manage to change a kid. But if it impacts so many other lives, you know, it's important that I do look after the other 390 kids. And um, and it's so imminent here in Dubai. You know, that I think, the, you know, regardless, you've got so many different um, kinds of families and different backgrounds and you know, different religions and philosophies and income brackets. And, you know, I've always said to the kids, when you're going to rescue someone, you do not care who's next to you. So much teamwork is done, you know, where I mix them up and put them in difficulty, especially with the older group they're not getting on so well with, so that they can, you know, realize that you need each other, you know, to succeed, you need to work. And in later life, you can't choose your work, you know, your work members, whether you're in a company or whatever. So it's important 
to be able to adjust and, and work together. So, yeah, that uh, three-strike policy has definitely been, it's fantastic. It has worked and, and really successful. Yeah, by the sounds of it. And what a fantastic kind of just learning for life at all. Candy, Candy, I was going to call you Candice, and you already told me it's what your mum says when you when she tells you off. So, Candy, I need to say, um, thank you so much. Um, I'm aware that our connection, we had connection issues at the beginning, and now it's all of a sudden dropped off at the end. So we've been we've we've managed to get it done, but I'm not going to tempt fate, and I'm going to end it right there. Thank you so much, and I I'm not even going to warn you when I come down to the beach, and I'm just going to give you a big cuddle. I don't care about COVID actually, so. <laughs> I'm um, I'm double vaccinated, so you're going to get a big hug only from me. Pleasure. <laughs> me too. Uh, only a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Katie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Lovely to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you. I'm going to put I'm going to put everything for Pirate Surf and how to get hold of Candy. And if you want to reach out to her, if you've been affected by anything that we've spoken about on the podcast, like Candy said, and like I say every single episode. I'm not an expert. Candy's not an expert. I can only try and help point you in the right direction. But if you want to reach out and if you haven't affected, please, please, please do. Um, and if you also want to get the kids involved in Pirate Surf, please do that as well. Candy, thank you very much. I'll Absolutely. speak to you soon. Thank you so much, Katie. Lots of love. Take, Take care. care. Lots of love. Thank Bye. You. Bye-bye.